Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Jessica Edgerton, Executive Vice President of Operations and Corporate Counsel for Leading RE. I am excited to have Eric Segman here. He is the CEO of Tribus and has uh, was a realtor before reaching the age of 20. So he has been in the business a long time and knows it well. While loving his days in real estate, he knew there was a large opportunity to build a technology-oriented brokerage. In 2004, he created River City Real Estate, which quickly became the largest independent brokerage in the St. Louis area. There, he oversaw the development of numerous real estate technology breakthroughs that were well ahead of their time. Eric is regarded as one of the brightest minds in the real estate technology realm, has spoken at a number of real estate technology events. You may very well have seen him at one of ours in the past, um, and has also spoken at Inman Connect in New York, San Francisco, NAR annual conference. We see him everywhere and are very glad to have Tribus as part of our solutions group, um, group as well. Um, so Eric, welcome. Thank you so much. Today we are talking about website accessibility. Um, ADA website accessibility issues have been around for a long time for our industry. Um, in my NAR days, we heard about them quite regularly. Um, historically, website accessibility has come under the umbrella of the Americans with Disabilities Act, which is um, protects people with disabilities from dealing with public facing um, uh, businesses that are inaccessible to them. So under the ADA, if you have an, a public facing business, you are required to take reasonable measures to make it accessible to people with disabilities. Now, once the internet came online, that was originally seen as a bricks and mortar, have a ramp, make sure that people with, with uh, in wheelchairs are able to navigate your, your aisles, things like that. Then along comes the internet, and there was, for a number of years, um, some a lack of clarity as to whether the ADA applied to public-facing websites. Are websites a place of, of, of public um, um, uh, public access? Does, is, do public accessibility laws apply to websites? The answer really now is pretty much yes across the board. There's a little bit of haziness in some circuits, but the recommendation 100%, I've never talked to, to an attorney that would say, no, no, don't worry about your public facing website, right? So this is a, an important issue. Why are we talking about it right now, given that we've been hearing about it for years? Um, first of all, we're all kind of still sheltering in place and opening back up to the public. There's a lot of transition right now in our, in our industry. This is a great time to be looking at your websites. Any changes that you are making, we're becoming a much more um, website focused industry. This is a great time to be looking at accessibility for your website. Number two, and more immediate, there has been a rash of accessibility letters sent by one law firm that have been hitting folks in Florida. We suspect that right now it's in Florida. It will probably be um, spreading across the country. That's usually the way these folks work. But these letters are not your typical ADA demand letters. In the past, ADA demand letters have said, hey, I have a client with, an, with a disability. Your website is not accessible to my client. You need to take remedial measures and you need to pay my attorney's fees. Dozens, if not hundreds of brokerages in Florida have recently got a similar letter saying, hey, your website is not accessible. This time, instead of the ADA, they're invoking fair housing laws. So why does that make a difference? First of all, it probably means that there's going to have to be some litigation around this, more attorney's fees 
bless my colleagues in the attorney's realm. Um, but another, um, I won't use the word alarming, but thing for us to watch is under the Americans with Disabilities Act, plaintiffs do not have the right to receive monetary damages. They get remedial measures, so you have to fix your website and you have to pay their lawyer. Same things apply under fair housing, but under fair housing, there's also the chance that a court, if it's taken all the way to court, can hands down punitive damages as well. So plaintiffs are actually able to receive monetary damages under a fair housing legal scheme. So all of that being said, even under these fair housing laws, the remedial measures that are probably going to be uh, need to be taken are likely the same. And that means that um, you need to know what to do when you receive one of these letters and you need to be talking to your web provider. In comes Eric and Tribus. Um, so one of the things that we would like to talk to you today about, uh, Eric, is what you are seeing from a technology standpoint. Let's take a step back and talk about what accessibility actually means. I think a lot of people don't um, don't have a clear view on, on what you would do to make your website accessible and uh, what we should be doing today, tomorrow, and going forward. So Eric, um, what does website accessibility actually mean from a technical standpoint? Well, I mean, it's, it's a collection of a number of different things uh, that need to be done on the website to make it uh, visible or, or accessible uh, or interact, uh, allowing the person to interact on the website, depending on what uh, their potential handicap uh, um, might be. And so from that perspective, it can range from things such as making your website usable with just a keyboard. So for example, some people you know, can't interact with a mouse, uh, they can only use a keyboard. Or in other cases, you know, if the person might be blind, it might mean making your website uh, able to work with a braille reader. Uh, and if you haven't seen videos of a braille reader, uh, an amazing piece of technology that somebody built a number of years ago to make the blind be able to use the internet and, and, and get the same information that we get. Uh, it actually, it's a little little thing that sits in front of the computer. And you know, as you imagine Braille works, uh, uh, it actually changes the little knobs for the Braille uh, as the person reads across uh, the, each one of the lines of, of your website. Uh, really, definitely check out a YouTube video of how these things work. Very, very great piece of technology to, to allow the blind to be uh, into the internet age. And so that, that could be one of them. Um, people have visual impairments that aren't there necessarily blind, but maybe they can't read your website unless there's a high contrast between the text um, uh, and the back of the website, or the background of the website. Um, so there's a number of these different things and it, it's not really just one thing. It's, it's actually a whole suite of items um, and, and I would tell people the best way to, to, uh, to start thinking about this is that the, the, there's a consortium of people that write the standards for how websites work or how HTML got adopted actually and, and websites initially came into being. Um, uh, the W3 consortium is what it's called. And they have a standard called WCAG uh, that talks about accessibility. And they change this guideline uh, on a regular basis to update it with new standards to help more people out. Um, and the, the current standard is either 2 or 2.1 um, for that standard. So I would definitely encourage people, if you really want to read up on this topic, to go and, and uh, Google uh, WCAG uh, 2 or 2.1. 
and a read up on on the numerous items you know I, the ones i've listed are just a few out of 30 40 50 of these things that that your website should be focused on so if um in addition to looking at WCAG 2.0, um, which I think is a good idea, but I don't know how many people are going to have time to do a deep dive into it. It's heavy duty stuff. Um, what would you recommend sort of from a, a basic operational standpoint? What steps should folks be doing now um, in terms of figuring out whether their website is compliant and any remedial steps they might need to take, whether they have gotten this letter or not? And I'll talk a little bit more in a minute about what to do if you've gotten a letter. So, um, you know, I think there's a number of things here, and I want to start by saying good accessibility of your website is not just a legal uh, uh, protection issue. It's also just good business as a whole, um, because you may or may not know this, but between five and eight percent of all uh, online users use some accessibility setting. Uh, in their browsers or on their phones. Um, and it can be as basic as text sizing. So, um, you know, if, if you don't need accommodations uh, to use a browser, you may have just accidentally increased the size of the text on your on your browser at some point. And then all of a sudden you wonder why all the text on, on websites are, are giant. Um, but that actually is one of the, the accessible items uh, in certainly in a list that you should pay attention to is, um, you know, if you if you increase the size of text, because look, you know, as as folks age, you know, you can't read the the four point font anymore, um, and uh, so you want to increase that size to be able to read what's on the page a little bit better, um, and so you want to increase that. Now, a lot of websites, and I see this a lot in real estate, when you increase the size of the text, particularly on IDX pages, uh, it ends up what we refer to in the in the web space as blowing out the website. So what ends up happening is the text actually goes off the page where you can no longer read it. Um, and that would be definitely something that uh, would break uh, WCAG compliance and, and accessibility compliance. So from that perspective, you know, that, that that's number one is, is really to go on there and check if, if you, and by the way, if you have a Mac, uh, it's command plus that you can do to, to increase the size. Uh, command minus will decrease it and command zero actually brings it back to normal 100% uh, normal but use that that command plus on a PC uh, a Windows based computer it's control plus so control plus control minus and control zero uh, that you can use to check your website and so if the text starts blowing off the screen you know you have a problem that you're going to want to talk to your web company about so testing yep text would be number one uh, number two uh, is can the website be used without a mouse? Now, um, there was uh, probably the biggest and the first of the, the cases that came out on this uh, was Southwest Airlines, um, and it flew under <laughs> flew uh, under the radar. Uh, sorry for the pun, not intended, but yeah, um, it flew under the radar for a little while, and and people weren't paying too much attention to it. But they they had to settle for I, I think in the hundred million dollar range. Um, because their website, you could not book a flight on their website using only the keyboard. You had to use a mouse uh, to be able to use their website. So another thing to check on your website is, can you access your menus? So can you navigate around the site using just your keyboard? And 
if you if you haven't had accessibility issues, you may not know that a big proportion of the population, uh, that's their way of moving around. You know, my dad had Parkinson's disease. My dad never, while he had Parkinson's, and he lived with it for 20 years, he didn't have the dexterity with Parkinson's disease to be able to control a mouse. His, his hand would move constantly. Uh, but he could have used a keyboard uh, to move around on the website. And so you may not know, but if a website is built correctly to these standards, you should be able to use the tab key on your keyboard to move from menu to menu or item to item on there. Uh, and also uh, be able to get through forms. So for example, if somebody wanted to do an IDX search or search on your website, they should be able to get through every single one of those forms by using the tab key. Um, so if you start with maybe the city, neighborhood, et cetera, in a box and, and type in there and then hit tab to go to beds and baths uh, and be able to get to the right number of beds you want by using your arrow keys. So those are just a few examples and hitting the return key can process a form. It's a few examples um, of something that I would definitely be paying attention to. And if your website, and, and by the way, one of the biggest ways that Southwest got sued was you couldn't do any of that. Uh, more importantly, when you tried to create an account on Southwest.com, you couldn't do it without using a mouse. Uh, so that's something else to keep in mind too. Can I create an account on the website without being able to use a mouse? Um, so that's Are there technology? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to ask, I, I love this deep dive into details because it really shows what people should be looking at and thinking of and as and is a reminder of the human element here right like the example of your father when we receive one of these demand letters it feels trolly right and you people use these words for these attorneys because you know i mean that it's there is a financial component that the, the lawyers going after but we need to remember that behind these these complaints there are people who are um frustrated by your website these are these are you know people and so there's a human element but it's also potential customers that you're losing um so i i love hearing the details is there though um any technology that people should be aware of that or or resources for people to do a, a thorough scan of their websites check their issues there's a number of websites that if you search uh for uh, wcag compliance or accessibility compliance um, now, I, fair warning, almost all of them are trying to sell you something. Um, so they're going to sell you uh, a, a compliant, a full compliance audit perhaps, or uh, they might sell you uh, making your website compliant. So just be aware that most of them that you'll go to these checkers or uh, compliance tools, they're gonna, they're gonna spam you and try to sell you things. Um, but there's other great tools that are out there. Um, you, you know, if, if, like if try this, when we build websites for our broker customers, we obviously build all of these things in, but we use third-party tools to help us with that. One of the reasons why is because we wanna make sure that we're staying up to date and there's a lot. I mean, it's, it's definitely a daunting thing. If you haven't started at all or not, your website isn't at all WCAG compliant, you've got some work to do for sure. Um, but we wanna stay up to date with those standards. And so we use a, a tool called UserWay um, that we found to be very, very good at doing this. And it, it completely integrates with all of our websites and makes them uh, pretty instantaneously accessible compliant beyond the standard coding that we do. Uh, and a perfect example of that is the high contrast I mentioned earlier. You wanna make sure your website looks really, uh, it looks great in general when you build your website. Obviously no broker wants to invest in a bad looking website. 
Uh, but from that aspect, you know, if you have a person that needs high contrast to read text on your site, it may not have that same good look and feel uh, if you go super high contrast. But what you can do is use these third-party tools um, uh, to stay compliant and then only show the accessible site if the person's browser is asking for that. So that's what we do at Tribus is we, you know, you can go through the forms and tab through everything. Uh, we can talk about, I would like to talk about alt tags in just a second and things that we do with alt tags at Tribus um, that are there. But high contrast, you may not want for 90% uh, of the, the browser, the visitors to your website are out there. Um, they don't need to see the high contrast version of your site. So you want to look you know, one way for those folks, but when you go to it and you need high contrast for accessibility reasons, you can display that high contrast site. Uh, and so UserWay is a good tool. Uh, there's a bunch of other tools that are out there. Uh, most of them do a free initial compliance check. Um, and so, I, you know, check UserWay first, I would probably say. Okay, great, thank you. Um, so we talked a little bit about the reasons why accessibility is important. First and foremost, to ensure that people with disabilities are able to actually access your website. Um, but what are some other benefits to ensuring that your um, website is compliant? So I, uh, Tribus has been a big believer in making websites accessible for over seven years. I actually uh, was the chair of the Business Issues Committee for NAR um, back in, I think, 2012 or 2013, and this came up as an issue. Uh, but I, the reason why I got into it initially wasn't necessarily from the accessibility side. I stumbled into that being a good business, be good just in general to be a, a business in your community and, and help people out that have accessibility. But the reason I stumbled into it uh, initially was because it's actually good for your search engine optimization. Yeah. So it actually helps your site rank higher if your site is accessible. And that's actually getting even more so right now. So Google actually just made an update that actually checks your, um, your usability of your website. And it looks at these certain standards that are out there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if your site meets those standards, your site can get ranked higher. So we talked about being able to use a keyboard. Uh, obviously, when Google crawl, Google's crawler goes through your site, um, it's going to use those types of tools, actually, to, to go through and find and submit forms and things like that on your website. So if it's accessible, the Google Spider can actually go through it better. Um, so that's number one. Uh, and number two, another thing that's a, that's a big one on this, and it's actually where I started looking into this more and more and, and kind of got into the rabbit hole, uh, is in alt tags. So if you look at your website, nearly no, nearly none of the uh, broker websites when you're out there looking at them have alt tags on your images. Now, we should probably mention real quick what an alt tag is. So when you add a image to your website, and this goes for any image you add to your website, the code that makes that image show up, and we won't get too geeky here, uh, but the code that makes that image show up, you can actually add additional attributes to that image um, that are not necessarily visible to a consumer, but may be visible. If you ever moused over an image before and you see the little box pop up that says what the image is, there's a chance that that is coming from that alt tag. But Google also looks at that alt tag too. And then that alt tag, the whole original concept around the alt tag was so that somebody who's blind can understand what the image is or the video on your website. Right. So if I'm blind and I, I see these photos uh, on a website 
um, I'm not going to know what those photos are other than there's a, you know, my screen reader tells me there's a box on the page. But if I use an alt tag, um, A, those folks are going to be able to understand what your website is about better because all of your images now have explanations on them. Uh, but B, uh, it's actually really good for your search engine optimization. So Google, they really, I mean, and image tagging and image captioning are getting much better these days. But, but still in 2020, here we are, Google, when they see photos on your website, they're not understanding necessarily that that photo is the master bathroom, which that master is a whole other conversation for a different yeah, time. But, that. but that's, that is a, a whole other, uh, that, that, Google going through and seeing that image on that site, they don't understand that it's the picture of the pool or the picture of the front landscaping. Uh, it doesn't understand that, right? So it just sees pictures. And most of the time, especially if it's coming from an MLS, those pictures are labeled 0.jpg, 1.jpg, 2.jpg. So there's zero information that Google can discern about these photos. But adding that alt text, um, is a way to tell Google, hey, this is the, the uh, kitchen, this is the bedroom, this is the whatever it happens to be. And it shouldn't just be for your images that are IDX, and we'll, and we'll talk about uh, an arrangement Tribus has set up that, um, you know, is it for a great company that will help you with this in just a second. But uh, it, you should also do it for every image on your website. So for example, roster images, and I'm gonna give away an SEO tidbit to all of our competitors here, uh, but when we add roster images, so your agent's names, Eric Stegeman on your website, very few, if any of our competitors, add the alt text on that image that says, hey, this is a picture of Eric Stegeman, realtor in blankety blank city. But there's a great SEO tool that you can use right there to help that page rank higher, uh, but at the same time, making your website accessible so that if a, a blind person goes to the website, they know that these are pictures of these realtors that are there. Um, but going back to the IDX piece of this. So you may be sitting there thinking, and I, I certainly did five, seven years ago when I first got into this, well, there's no way we can put all the text on IDX images because there's just too many of them, number one. Number two is, uh, how am I gonna go through? Am I gonna pay somebody to go through and look at all these photos and make all text? Um, you know, it's unfortunate the MLSs are not providing this and, and I would have a, my call to action here is to have MLSs work on this uh, and maybe require captions. But as a secondary option, Tribus made a deal with a company called Respi that you may have heard of before. And they actually use computer vision to look at images and then tag those images with what's in them. Now they can tag it as, you know, uh, a kitchen, uh, pool, uh, you know, front yard, and, and they can even go beyond that to, to talk about it's an updated kitchen, et cetera. But for the basic level of, of having these alt tags on there, um, they'll have that, uh, that ability, if you, if you get a website through Tribus, you'll have that ability to get those captions on there on every single image from the MLS and any image that you upload to your website. Really cool, thank you. Um, okay, so um, we wanna keep this to 30 minutes. Um, so we've got about seven minutes left. Um, if anybody has any questions, please enter them into the text box. Um, I, I do want to mention a couple of things beyond the technical side, more on the legal side that you that you can be doing as well. Eric, you mentioned it as well. Um, your website should have an accessibility message. Um, very often that can appear where your privacy policy and DMCA policy and all the other policies that you have, a, a little um, 
link on every accessible tip from every page of your website that says accessibility. And all that is, is a statement that says, if you are having trouble navigating our website due to an accessibility issue, please, here is what you can do and have a contact number, have an email number. Ensure, by the way, also that this message is accessible, is readable, is high contrast, right? Um, so that at least, now there's no, people will, you, you, that's not a guarantee that you won't get one of these uh, demand letters, but it is a, uh, a, a showing that you are taking steps and that you do care. Um, you can, if you're looking for templated language, look at what uh, Leading RE has on our website there. Uh, it's a very simple message. You can also, NAR, for any members of NAR, they have offered as well sort of friendly cribbing of their accessibility notice, which is actually more robust than ours. It's, it's got quite a bit of good inf information there. So take a look at NAR.com's, or I guess it's now NAR.realtors. Uh, website for some templated language. Um, I also want to mention if you have received one of these demand letters, either under the ADA or under Fair Housing, the most important first thing to do is do not ignore it. Um, people are tempted. These do feel spammy. Don't ignore those letters. Make sure that you talk to your attorney and um, and make sure that your attorney is aware also that there are actually scam letters out there, there are fraudulent letters out there, um, and that this is actually coming from a licensed lawyer. Um, next thing to do, do, a, do an audit of your website and uh, do a comparison on the issues that are on your website, anything that does come up, compare those to what's in the letter. Um, Eric, other information or other recommendations if somebody does receive one of these letters? Yeah, I mean, uh, you said take it seriously. That's first and foremost. But I would also just check your website. Um, every time these letters, whether it's for you know accessibility or anything in the past, um, you know, a lot of them they just kind of get blasted out. Um, and in this case, the letters that I've seen uh, that have been out there are fairly detailed, but sometimes they make mistakes. And so you know, you you can definitely look at that and say, hey, I looked at my website and it is accessible. Um, or it did do these things that uh, that the letter said that it didn't do. Um, so I definitely look at that. But also, you know, I, I think you just call your web vendor, call your website vendor and immediately, regardless of if you get a letter or not, um, I think it's a good opportunity for everybody to talk to their web vendor and ask the questions. What are you doing to make me accessible, number one? What protections are in our agreement if I get one of these letters? That's a, that's a whole other thing that we really didn't talk about is uh, checking your agreement with your vendor to say, if we do get a letter like this, who's responsible for payment? Who's responsible? You know, is there an indemnification clause uh, to making your website compliant on this? Um, so I would check with that. But also, it, it, this, you know, I, do you remember the, the Showtime rotisserie, uh, the Ronco Showtime rotisserie that was a late night um, one of those infomercial things uh, with the group. Do you, do you remember this, Jessica? No. no. Okay. Well, Ron Papil, the infamous infomercial guy uh, that made the pocket fisherman and the hair in a can and all this other stuff, uh, kind of his last hurrah was the Showtime rotisserie cooker. And the whole thing on there, and you'll see where I'm going with this in a second, I promise. But the whole thing was that you could put your your turkey or your chicken in this rotisserie cooker and you know it was kind of like a slow cooker you put it in there and then his line was you set it and forget it right and and the thing with real estate and all technology in real estate but particularly with this is it is not 
absolutely not a set it and forget it model. You cannot say, oh, is my website accessible? Yep, okay, and I'm done. These The, the accessibility checklists and, and the rules for this stuff changes frequently. So you need to be doing what I always recommend is a quarterly audit of your website. Hey, is everything working? By the way, not even talking about accessibility, just checking your website to make sure pages haven't broken or content still makes sense. Uh, you know, there, there may be a lot of content on brokers' websites right now that doesn't make a lot of sense after COVID-19 uh, that you should be checking on really quarterly, if not more often. But this gives you one more item to put in that quarterly checklist to say, hey, can I still do everything on my website to, that makes it uh, accessible? So I would definitely put that in your quarterly meetings that you have with your website vendor and just check up and say, hey, have you done anything recently to make sure we stay compliant? Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I'm seeing a few comments come in saying, yeah, we, we got a letter. We got a letter. Um, yeah, the get in touch, you know, make sure that this is not put in a drawer um, and then do respond to that letter. I mean, with your advice of your own counsel, I'm, I'm not licensed in all 50 states, but um, make sure that you are responding, saying we take that we received your letter and we are taking this issue seriously. Um, the threat with this particular new Florida manifestation is you're not compliant, um, this is a fair housing violation, and they attach the complaint as, as an additional just one-two punch. Um, so, you know, whether or not there's, how, how empty these threats are, we, we have yet to see. Um, I, this, the, the, the scheme from the attorney standpoint, and again, like this is not diminishing the issue itself, we should be accessible from a human standpoint, from a business standpoint. But these letters, as an attorney, I get to say, because I'm an attorney, they feel a little dirty, right? Um, so, but but they cannot be ignored. Um, do make sure it's legit, um, but don't ignore it. So uh, we are pretty much at the half hour mark. Um, thank you again so much for your time today, Eric. And um, if there are any questions for you, um, do you wanna, pitch out uh, an email address that people could use for questions. Yeah, for sure. Um, you can, you know, our website is tribus.com, T-R-I-B-U-S.com. Uh, uh, it's backwards, but uh, there it is. Um, and they can reach us out there. Um, there's a lot of great ways to contact our team that's available on that website. They can also just email info at tribus.com. And uh, somebody great on our team will be happy to talk to you about a, a, an audit uh, or uh, talk to you about ways that we can uh, maybe up, upgrade your website and, and when doing that, uh, make it accessible. But if anybody has any questions, this has been seven years I've been involved in this. Uh, uh, and so if you have a question, I, I, as Jessica said, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I don't play one on TV, uh, but uh, I have seen a lot of this and have paid attention uh, quite extensively to it for seven years. And I'd be happy to share my uh, experience with anybody that's out there. Thank you, Eric. And I am a lawyer. Again, not licensed everywhere, but if you do have, if you want to talk through any of the legal issues or um, any advice that I can provide on a general basis uh, to anyone who has received a letter, um, you know where to find me. It's jedgerton at leadingre.com. I am at your disposal always. Um, so thanks again, everyone. Please be well, be safe, um, and we will hopefully see you all again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.